This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Let's get ready for the word tonight. I've been enjoying the Lord speaking to me again out of the book of Isaiah. And so let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 58. Chapter 58. I told you, uh, last week how this book breaks down as a, as a small, or copy almost exactly to the T of, uh, the other 66, uh, or the total 66 books of the Bible. And in this passage is particularly powerful as the, the presence of God breaks out. Say that word, breaks out. How many ready for God to do something, break out in your life? Come on, amen. Ready for God to break out. Lord, we pray tonight that you will break out in our lives, uh, with a holy grace, a holy goodness. And Lord, that, that, that what, uh, you're doing in us will be brought to its completion. Father, I thank you that every Every sin has to bow and has to be broken under the blood of the Lamb. Lord, I thank you that we are cleansed, that what has hindered our breakthrough and hindered us from breaking out begins to be covered in the blood of the Lamb. Speak to us tonight clearly through the power of your word. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. So I want to talk to you about Last day living out of Isaiah chapter 58, verse number 9 and 10. We'll begin. We're going to read a couple more verses out of that passage tonight. But here's what it says. It says, then when you call, the Lord will answer. That's a good thing to, to know. Amen. How many of you ever called somebody and said, I, they won't answer? When you call, he will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply to you. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your fingers and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. You know, I just put that into my mind and realized that I, I didn't even think about this Isaiah 58 being a part of our light and darkness series. But that verse makes it fit perfectly that then the light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you. Anybody ever had any darkness around you? There are dark times. There are dark days, but then it will be illuminated as bright as the noon. Now, what I want to talk to you about tonight is the end times. And when you say you're going to preach about the end times, uh, people get a little, little squeamish, a little fidgety. You see, people fear discussing end times. I, 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 several times I went away, I asked a couple of our mature, uh, pastors to, to bring the word and, and both of them at, during the season kept preaching on end times. And every time I, I would come back into town, I heard, uh, uh, please ask them not to do that. It scares me. 
I said, good job. Because it's not that I want to scare people, but I don't want people living in blind and enjoyable complacency either. Now, I think to understand preaching to you about the end times, that we're going to have to first define end times. Now, what does it mean to live in the end times? In the Christian view, the end times are the years leading up to, according to the the prophet Daniel, a seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation. Now, I don't have time to break out for you why there's 70 weeks and seven. One of those represents one week, and that translates into seven years, and it takes me about an hour and a half in our Bible college to do that. And I still have questions. But when we're talking about end times, I think we understand that all of us get that there is a an impending end. There is, uh, there is joy going to be on the other side of that. But there is a rough time coming to this earth. Now, a lot of times people will discuss this and they'll, they'll, they'll talk about the beauty of things that are ahead. And I agree with that. But the Bible says that, that there will be perilous times and, and that, that, that darkness and evil will increase. So because of that, because of words like tribulation, because of words like rapture, because of words like antichrist, because of phrases like mark of the beast, 666, judgment, blood, not even mention what, I mean, words like dragons, plagues, scrolls. I don't know why horses fit into that, but there's lots of horses. Even locust. These words cause people to get these mental images. And because it causes them to get these mental images, needless to say, it leaves some intrigued, but fearful concerning the end times. Now, I remember growing up in church. I remember the preacher's preaching on the return of the Lord, and if you're not ready, he comes like a thief in the night. And then I remember my parents going to the store and forgetting to tell us. Do you remember that, Scott? Yes. Well, we'll be back in just a moment. I'm going to tell you nothing helps you repent more than not know where your parents disappeared to. And if that's not bad enough to make you repent, have a big brother who likes to torment his Bible-believing younger brother who's already called to preach, <laughs> who would tell me at that young age, he'd say, he'd say, Mom and Daddy gone, and you're going to have to go through it, boy. <laughs> if I was older, I would have looked at him and said, well, I should know I'd be left here with you. I knew you were staying. <laughs> but instead... We had this little old missionary lady live next door to us, and I'd always go visit her, and I thought, <laughs> she's going before mom and daddy go, so if she's home, we're all right. Come on, amen. And so I'd go next door. But you see, what happens is people get afraid. And because people get afraid, they don't want to talk about what they're afraid of. 
And so people then, then they divide into camps over these topics, these impending topics. Now, some people, some people dive in and some people dive in and become devoted students of end times, but others avoid the discussions altogether. But in general, most people fit one of three categories. Here they are, okay, concerning the end times. They fear the end times. They feed on the end times. And they forget end times. Those are the three categories. They fear them so that if they know that the pastor is preaching on the end times, they're not going to be there. They don't want to... Talk to anybody about what that means. They have, they, they're afraid that they're, because they can't get their minds around it. And you know what the greatest thing that, for, that for me, I mean, guys, you gotta understand with all of the years of schooling that I have, I still understand there's things about this word I don't get yet. See, your problem is you think you're gonna have, you're gonna be tested on whether or not you understand what the mark of the beast is. You're not going to be tested on whether or not you understand what the mark of the beast is. You're going to be tested on whether or not you accepted the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ when it was presented to you. That's the, that's the test, okay? But the problem is we get afraid, and so a lot of people end up afraid, and they don't want to deal with it. And just because you're afraid of something, I mean, look, you can be afraid of the fact that, that something's coming down the tracks, but if you don't deal with it and get off the tracks, you're going to end up really, really in a worse shape than afraid. Then there are those who feed on the end times. And I, I, you got to bless them too. I enjoy conversing with them in the right setting. It's just they never pick the right times. I would love for many of those people who feed on the end times. I see some of you that are really good at the end times in this room. You, you understand it well. I'd love for them to sit down with dad and myself, maybe a couple of other, the, the, the pastors of the church and, uh, and, and just break that out. That's fun. But they always want to talk about it in front of a brand new baby Christian. And they're like, Pastor, what do you think the significance of the 12 vials are? And somebody goes, vials? Are you taking blood around here? I'm like, no, no, the blood's already been... Never mind, that's even worse. So keep it in the right perspective. But most people, the overwhelming majority of people, and listen to what I'm about to say to you, forget the end times. They live as if Jesus is not coming. They live as if there is no imminent return of the Messiah. Because people argue over how he will come, they then live as if he's not coming. But you mark my words, Jesus Christ will return. He said he would come, and when he said he would come, and then through the prophets, he actually told them the, when he would come, and to the day, he they were prophesied to the day, to almost the hour, but to the very day, the day that he would die was prophesied in the Old Testament, the day he would die. He did exactly what he said he would do. If that wasn't enough, he looked at him and said, destroy this body and three days later, I'll rise from the dead. I mean, that's, that's pretty serious. Death could not even hold him back. 
He did exactly what he said he would do. Can I tell you what he's doing right now? Exactly what he said he would do. He said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. But don't be mistaken. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself and take you and give you the place that I prepare. You see, God doesn't do anything in vain. Can I go ahead and tell you, God hadn't prepared a place for you in vain. He's able. He that began a good work in you is faithful to carry it through to his completion. But you better start living in the last days with it all in mind. For he's coming for a church, watch what I'm about to say very carefully, that is watching and waiting for his imminent return. Thank you for not getting too excited about that joyous occasion because we're fearful. So I don't know which one of these you really resemble or align with the most, but I fear that, that very few are actually living with the last days in our minds. We're not really thinking about it could be the last days. So let me just share this with you. In the words of the great poet, Tim McGraw, Things change when you live like you're dying. Just to quote him, I went skydiving. <laughs> not, not this boy, but I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain what? Don't you, you're not supposed to know this song. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named. I know what I'm preaching on next Wednesday night. Here I am thinking I found something. But he said, I loved deeper. I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. He said, I finally was the husband that most of the time I wasn't, and I became a friend like a friend would like to have. You see, folks, Everything changes when you have an end-time perspective. As a matter of fact, can I just take from another song? And I would say this. You need to live ready to fly. You really do. Because, where am I going with this, Randy? Some glad morning. When this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home. Come on now. On God's, where is Pastor Darren when you need him? <laughs> Celestial shore. I'll fly away. Come on now. Somebody's got it going on over there. Amen. I, this is good. This is good. Listen to me. So when I die, hallelujah. Oh, you know this song. See, this one you're supposed to know. When the shadows of this life have gone, I'll fly away. And this is actually a quote from the secular song that inspired this song, but it says, like a bird from prison bars has flown, I'll fly away. Just a few more, and then I'll fly away. To a land where joy shall, I'll fly away. And I have done you a favor tonight and not sung that for you.
Do you know when this song was written? Interesting fact. This song was written as the man who authored it finished, and some of you will understand, very few of you, but some of you will, when he finished hoeing a row of cotton. He was at one of the great southern fields of cotton that you couldn't see the other end of, and when he had sweated his way all the way down that row, by the end of it, he stopped and thought, when these weary days are over, I'll fly away. Anybody ever hold a row of cotton in here other than my parents? My dad talks about that there's many things he'd rather do in this life than ever do that again. That song was born in someone's exhaustion, someone's frustration, but he created a song. He said, I had no clue that would impact the world so greatly because it gave people a mindset shift. I'm going somewhere with this tonight. You see, living ready to fly means that we know, that we know, that we know we are prepared. I feel this. That our actions, listen to me, verify our assertions. Listen to me, this is carefully. When you're living ready to fly, what you're doing matches up with what you've been saying. Oh, let me just back that up. Matches up with what you've been singing. I'll fly away, oh glory. It will match up because it's how you're living it. It's what you're doing. Am I making sense tonight? And so if we're living with an end-time perspective, we will begin to shift the way we're living. Pastor, how does, what does it have to do with Isaiah 58? Give me time. You see, our text tonight gives us some glimpses of actions that will be part of the body of Christ when it is ready to fly. There are actually five things that Isaiah 58 says the body of Christ will be doing when they're living in end-time perspectives. Like, this could be the day. This could be the hour. Somebody says, well, it can't be this day. It can't be this hour. It has to be during this feast. It has to be in this moment. I, listen to me. That's really, really great. I'm glad you got it all figured out. But here's the problem. The Bible says that the, the, the very geniuses of the ancient beings of heaven don't have it figured out. As a matter of fact, the son said, he didn't even know the day nor the hour himself. If he didn't know, I'm not going to figure it out exactly. I don't care who said, here's 88 reasons why he's coming on the September 13th. Some of you are old enough to remember that. Come on now. And I don't care who made a claim to sell you their book to show you why you need to do this in the month of September. What I'm trying to tell you is, yeah, I don't care if it is September. You better live for Jesus in October, November, December, January, February, March. April, May, and June, and August also, because we don't know what day or hour it's going to happen. But here's what will be assigned to you if you're living ready. This is important. Did I miss a month? Saw some of you laughing at me. Did I miss a month? Somebody went, well, praise God, I'm good. No, amen. A church that's living ready to fly, listen to me carefully, 
will commit to banish every form of oppression in our lives. This is important. We will not be happy being enslaved to any darkness of any kind. We will look it in the eye and say, you're preventing me from being ready to fly. You're keeping me from being what I should be. You're causing me to live on a lower level than God intended for me to live. See, that's where, coming back to what I preached on just a few weeks ago, Matthew 10 and 8 tells me that a church that is ready to fly sees it heals the sick, raises the dead, cleanses those who have leprosies, drives out demons. He says, for freely you have received, so freely you ought to give. That you ought to be, my goodness, you ought to begin to engage in a lifestyle that says, I don't care what's come against me. I don't care what darkness has tried to destroy me. And I don't care what, I don't care how long it's had my life. It is not here to stay. The only thing that's here to stay is the blood of Jesus Christ that has become part of who I am. Amen. So we begin to remove those things that have bound us. Now listen to me. This one's hard. We remove scornful accusations against others and other churches. It's good. A church that is ready to fly doesn't have to tell you about how bad they got hurt everywhere they've ever been. Amen. Anybody ever got hurt anywhere? Let me see your hands. I'll just start it with this. Anybody ever got hurt in church? All right. You can put your hands down. I just spent a lot more time in church than you have. I have my hands still up. <laughs> so I was a pastor's kid. When they were afraid to tell him, they'd take it out on me. My hands still up. <laughs> then I was a pastor. I thought being a pastor's kid was rough until I became a pastor. What I'm trying to tell you is I've been hurt in church. But guess what? I've been hurt other places too. I got hurt at school. I had to go back till I graduated. You want to watch this one? I got hurt at home. <laughs> but I have to go back. You see, getting hurt doesn't mean that I live there, and it doesn't mean I have to use it as an excuse to tell everybody what's wrong and why I can't progress. It means that I realize that I get hurt. I mean, you get hurt at the Boy Scouts. Charlie got got on a, a team that wasn't flowing real good, his last baseball team, and it was a very hurtful experience. So we swapped to basketball. But anyways, amen. <laughs> but there's hurt that happens everywhere. But I don't have to go tell everybody why I don't like and tell them that coach's name. See, a church that is ready to fly doesn't waste time telling everybody what's wrong with every other, with every other person in their life. It doesn't constantly give a list of complaints because you realize I want to ask you to forgive me as I have forgiven others. 
I'm waiting on, I'm looking at something, waiting for your amens. Come on now. But it also doesn't attack other churches. Because a church that is ready to fly realizes, listen to me, I, I, I didn't come in here to stand up and tell you what's wrong with it. I mean, there's some pastors I don't like. Because I don't think they're teaching sound doctrine. But I'm not going to talk about them. I may talk about the doctrines that they're teaching and why they're incorrect. But I don't have enough time to waste talking about what's wrong with the body of Christ and complaining against the body of Christ. What I have time to do is preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're seeing liberating of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people giving their lives to Jesus Christ. Why? Because a church that's ready to fly does not stand up and constantly tell you what's wrong with other churches. A pastor came to me and said, I'm just upset. The pastor next door won't hardly talk to me. And I said, man, what's wrong with that? He said, he said, it's breaking my heart. I said, well, I mean, I guess that's bad. I said, but they preach against me. He said, they do. I said, yeah. I said, I don't even know. Who, I don't even know them. If I'd known them, I mean, they might, I, I might get it, but I don't know them. But why waste time preaching against somebody? When you can preach the gospel. You see, a church that's ready to fly not only won't do it, they forbid the spreading of malicious slander. A church that's ready to fly doesn't only not tell you all the things that they, that they like to tell you about everybody. I'm preaching truth now. But... They don't want to hear you tell them either. Don't bring me that garbage. I'll never forget the beginning of this church. And 30 years ago, and there was this, this desk. I'm looking at her daughter. Do you remember that ugly, weird-shaped desk that, that Pastor Gwen had back then? I don't, I don't know. It was just about that wide. And, I just, and she had like a file under it. And something happened, and I had to like get something that was down in one of those cabinets out and when I opened the file cabinet I, I'd never opened the file cabinet here before and it was her file cabinet and so I thought well I'm feeling a little weird anyway so I opened the file cabinet and I so I mean I don't go get in my staff member's desk you know and and I, I opened the file cabinet and I'm sorry I was looking for what I but right past where I was supposed to be there was a there was a, a manila envelope that said I couldn't believe it said church gossip Back then, she wasn't the, she wasn't the CFO. She wasn't, wasn't the church administrator. She was the church secretary back then. And we were all just getting started out good. And, and I said, Lord, I've heard about church secretaries gossiping, but this woman's got a file on it. <laughs> it was everything I could do not to open that file. I want to know what y'all been up to. You know what I'm saying? So she's got, she's, I mean, she's got blackmail here. I just closed the drawer. Finally, after about a month or so, I just, I said, Pastor Gwen, or Miss, Miss Gwen, we called her Miss Gwen then instead of Pastor Gwen. I said, Miss Gwen, I gotta, I gotta ask you something. I said, I've never seen nothing like that. Church gossip? You keep a file on it? I mean, like, I'm like, you're, you're like legit, you know? Uh, and she's like, hold on, let me help you with that. And she, Pulls it out, and I'm like, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see in the file. <laughs> yes. 
And she pulls out the page that's in it and hands me the page. And it says, all gospers shall have no place in heaven. Ephesians chapter (laughs) 4. Oh, and there was about 20 scriptures on why gossip will take you to hell. I said, what is this? And she said, that's what I give people who try to bring filth into my office. So, well, not what I was expecting, but what I needed. Come on now. See, people who are living ready to fly, they have a common answer. It's not, now you tell me what's wrong so I know how to pray with you. It's, I don't want to hear you attack them. Now, you've got to have people you pour your hearts out to that, that you do it in a non-malicious way. But what you don't realize is when you're pouring your heart out in a malicious way, you're actually damaging yourself more than you're damaging the other person. And you're not living ready to fly. I'm making sense tonight. How about this? This This one's challenging. A church that's ready to fly has compassion for the poor and the disenfranchised. When's the last time... You really stopped to minister to somebody in need. When's the last time you went out of your way to find somebody who really didn't fit to give them a place to fit? Because here's what I know about the church that's ready to fly. It's inclusive, not exclusive. Now, every church has its own issues. I get that. Your issue has to probably be your pastor. But guess what? God's working on me too. Get an amen from somebody over there. Amen. But even in that, we struggle and we go through things. But I don't ever want us to not be concerned for the hurting. And I always, always, I'll tell you a story from my own life. I didn't mean to tell this here. I shared this with somebody this week. I guess why it's fresh in my heart. Somebody came to me one time, and they said, uh, I saw so-and-so in our church, Pastor. And I said, yeah. And they said, well, I need you to know that that's, a, that's not a, a good person. And I, I said, explain to me why you're saying this. And they said, well, I really don't have reasons. I just want you to know I, I don't want that person in this church. And I said, well, I, I don't really think we're going to ask them to leave because I think they need Jesus. And they looked at me and they said these words. They said, him or me. I said, I'm going to miss you so bad. I'm going to miss you. And I have gut-wrenchingly missed them so much. But that person that we rescued not only got right with Jesus, to date, I'd say since then, they probably are running on somewhere mid-hundreds they've won to Jesus Christ. You see, you can't ever allow a bitter, hard heart 
to prevent you from being ready to go. This is truth. Acts 20 says this, and it says, I have never converted anyone uh, or coveted anyone's silver or gold for, or, or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. Sometimes it's, gonna, it's not going to be an easy thing, and it's going to cost you something. But you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I sat right, stood right over here one day and had not an argument with somebody, but, but, but it wasn't a really great conversation to start with. Uh, it ended pretty good, I think. There was a young family got saved and they were sitting there. They, they'd been with us probably six months and they, uh, they said, uh, I said, Pastor, can we talk to you for a minute? And I said, oh, sure, what you need. And they said, well, we're going to tell you while we're leaving this church. And I said, you know, just be blessed and know we love you. And uh, they said, no, we're going to tell you while we're leaving this church. I said, no, I don't think so. And they said, no, we're going to tell you. And I said, I don't want to know. I just want you to think he loves me. And they said, listen to us. You're going to like this. I said, how am I going to like the fact you're leaving the church? And they said, Pastor... We got to go to, to the church that couldn't win us to Christ. So look at what they said. We got to go back to the church that couldn't win us to Christ because we're scared to death to attend this church. I said, you are. Well, you tell me who's made you afraid. They were like, everybody. I was like, oh, somebody been screaming in tongues right behind them. Come on now. Amen. You know, <laughs> I was like, what? And I said, what do you mean? They said, they said, you let anybody come to this church? I said, yeah. They said, that's so amazing. You let us come and we got saved. And I'm like, but you're leaving. And they go, yeah, but just because we're afraid. They said, you don't understand. We were raised in a church that's a party for the saints. And you're a frontline ministry. I said, oh, I do like that. Thank you. They said, you're not afraid to go wherever it takes. Folks, a church that is ready to fly is not interested in building up massive bank accounts. A church that's ready to fly is interested in rescuing the hurting, the lost, and spreading the gospel as long and as far as we can. You see, a church that's ready to fly will comfort those who are enduring suffering and tragedy. The Lord's good to us. He's trying to speak to us. You see, when you begin to live ready to fly, you begin to experience God's promises for those prepared to receive them. Here they are. Say amen. amen. No, you're not ready yet. I got to preach a little while longer. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. If you're living ready to fly, your dry season will end and your strength will be regained. You will be like a well-watered garden, 
like an ever-flowing spring. And some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities, and then you will be known as the rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Oh, isn't God good? You see, here are the promises for those who are living ready to fly. One, our spiritual light, our influence will increase in our communities. This is important. Two, discouragement and gloom will disappear from our lives because we will have found purpose. So important. Three, God will give us specific guidance and counsel to know what to do and where to go in our lives when we're living in the last day preparation. This is important. He will fill us with a renewing grace even when we are surrounded by difficult situations. In the middle of your storms, you'll be like, hallelujah, God is good. I've been there. I've been there. People are like, Why? what's wrong with you? And you go, I'm drinking from a source that you know not of. My goodness. Pastor, I said, I've been... Working in Ephesians this week, and it's all up in my heart. You don't need to be drunk with wine. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on now. Amen. And, and, and you let God get inside of you. Listen to this. Our spiritual lives will flourish like a lush garden with fruit and beauty. God's going to cause spiritual fruit to grow in your life, and you're going to begin to look more like God intended you to look. Sin will eat you alive, but grace will restore your body. You don't believe that? Give me some before and after shots. Grace will restore your body. Come on now. Watch this. We will not cease to be an ever-flowing source of blessing to others. Seven. We will be given God's grace to rebuild lives and institutions in our cities and our nations. You see, the people can scream about our nation not going right, but what they need to do is get their lives right, and as they get their lives right, God will give them influence to begin to change the city. Why would God take a broken person and let them break the city? He wants to take somebody who's walking whole so they can bring wholeness into the city. Oh, Pastor Don, is that biblical? You reproduce after your own kind. I'm just teaching tonight. I didn't say I was preaching. Number eight, the final one. We will take up the legacy of our spiritual fathers, and we will build on their foundations. If you were born into this house, that means you will become a soul winner. Praise God. I want that to happen in your life. So let me, let me just end with this tonight. Remember the story of Elijah. Elijah's down on his knees praying. The army has surrounded him in the night. Gehazi is worried and Elijah's focused on the Lord. Gehazi's worried and Elijah's praying. Gehazi is wondering why Elijah is at such peace. Listen to me. Because, this is important, 
You need to listen to what I'm about to say. You will either live prepared or you will live worried. Somebody says, Jesus is coming, and somebody goes, Somebody else says, Jesus is coming, and we go, Woo! That's about as high as I can get off the ground, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Hallelujah. We get excited. Somebody starts talking about the last trumpet blast, and some people are like, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Did I do that? Yeah, I really did. Sometimes I just wish I could reel stuff in. But anyways, we're trying everything we can. But Elijah wasn't worried about what was around him because he was prepared for what God was going to do because he was seeing into what was ahead. Gehazi couldn't see what was beyond his current problem. Now the thing is, if I say that Jesus is coming and it causes trepidation and fear in your heart, that's a really good sign you're not living ready to fly. It's like people say to me, Pastor, you, you're not worried about dying on one of these trips where you go to some remote place? I say that's one of the marks of Scripture that says that if you fear constantly death, that, that you're not spiritually mature. We don't fear death for us to live is Christ, but to die is gain. We're, we're not, we're not, I mean, we don't want to go through suffering. We don't want to go through the pain. We don't want to go through the trials, but there's better laying ahead for us. I, you know what? Somebody said, Pastor, aren't you worried about if it's pre, mid, post when Jesus is coming back? I said, no, I'm not worried about if it's pre, mid, or post, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time really trying to figure those things out because what I want to do is help as many people be ready for Jesus to come. And if they're ready when Jesus comes, no matter when he comes, he's got them until he gets here and he'll have him when he gets when he'll have him when he gets here and it's all going to work out for our good amen stand with me tonight I know I zipped through those last few I said that about our children's workers and suddenly was filled with compassion for them I mean no we are blessed with the world's best children's workers I guess my question to you tonight is are you ready to fly that's silly thing, silly thing we're not going to do it tonight but from the 90s we used to call it rapture practice remember that the church can get really silly sometimes that's you can't practice for it. All you can do is prepare for Jesus to come. Live right. Honor God. Let him find you ready when he arrives. This is Pastor. I still don't have a clue about what the end times is going to look like. Good, that was my plan plan is for you to stop worrying about what that's going to look like and start worried about what you look like now so that you're not really concerned so much about what that looks like unless you're someone who enjoys the depth of that study. Now you head to a famous place.
I want you to just be honest with me as I ask this question. How many of you have ever really been afraid of end time teachings? Can I see your hand? Yeah, majority of hands of people who grew up in church in this room. You can put those down. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in constant dread. You can be ready. Now tonight we talked about a lot of different things. Accusations, slander. We talked about not ministering to people in need. We talked about accepting bondages in our life. We talked about all these different things that keep us from being ready. And I'm going to tell you, I can't be a hypocrite and say to you that God didn't point something out in my life while I was preaching to you. One of those areas hit me right between the eyes. And, it's, and I guarantee none of you know know which one it was. And I'm not going to tell you now. But as much as I'm being honest with you, I want to ask you while you've got your heads bowed, if you'd be honest with me and say, Pastor, there's one of those areas I know I need. I need to step up my preparation in. Can I see your hand if that's you? Would you hold it up high? Hold it up high. Join with me. Put your hands down. I know it's Wednesday night. I know it's the faithful few. But how could I preach about being ready for Jesus to come without giving someone the opportunity? Even if everyone here is ready, I still must give the opportunity. For the Bible says, how can they come unless the Spirit draws them and unless the bride bids them to come? The Spirit and the bride say come. The bride is the body of Christ. The Spirit is His Holy Spirit. And He's the one working in you. And if you're not ready, if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if Jesus Christ were to return right now, that you would go to heaven, this moment, you can know for certain. You say, Pastor, I want to settle that in my life. I want to commit my life completely and wholly to Jesus Christ. I don't want religion. I want to know that I'm ready to meet Jesus. I want to be born again. If that's you, can I see your hand right where you are tonight? Would you hold it up high so I know to pray for you? Again, I said this may be the, the faithful group of our congregation tonight, but is there one tonight who doesn't know for absolute certainty? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for this evening. You've seen 90% of the hands that went up in this room, the 10% that are praying with me now for those 90% of us who did. You see the areas that we're convicted of tonight. Thank you for conviction because you correct those that you love. Thank you, my goodness, Holy Ghost, for letting us be ready letting us be ready and prepared because we're no longer living worried about the end. We're preparing for the end. That when the end comes, it will be marked by the return of our Lord and we will never fear the arms of our glorious Savior. Father, forgive us, cleanse us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet and let us magnify you today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. How many know God's good, amen?
That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now. Thank you.